Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Muslims in Your Backyard podcast. I'm your host, Farim Shamim. Thank you guys for joining me for another episode of this podcast. As always, I appreciate the support and for you taking some time out of your day to listen to the podcast. For today's episode, I wanted to focus on an issue that is quite important to both younger Muslims and as well older Muslims. And I wanted to focus on primarily the stress that many students face within Canadian universities and colleges and sort of the pressures as well as the, uh, the the current problems that are facing many young Muslims in the Canadian educational system. And this doesn't necessarily just limit itself to the Canadian educational system. In many ways, this applies to many educational systems abroad as well. But of course, since I am based in Canada, I'll primarily be focusing on issues that relate directly with the Canadian educational system. Now, before I get into the discussion of the episode, I wanted to first say that this episode will be talking about issues of school stress and student stress. So I will be talking about things like anxiety, uh, depression, and suicide. And so I just wanted to first put out a trigger warning in case there are some people that may get triggered by these kind of topics. So I will be discussing this uh, in large throughout this episode. So if that is something that is maybe sensitive for you, uh, either proceed with caution throughout the episode or just be aware that I will be discussing those kind of topics throughout this episode. And the reason uh, that I wanted to really focus on, on this is because there is just so much pressure that so many students face within uh, a 21st century education. You know, the 21st century has led to many great developments in, in human advancement, but education-wise, it's also something that isn't maybe discussed enough, but there doesn't seem to be the same sort of, I guess, benefit that some people get from going to education, even going to university or, or college. It's not really the same as I think what some people used to think of it as. And so what I'm going to focus on throughout this episode is two main things. And the first is going to be mental health issues. And then the second is going to be the pressures of being a student. And these two topics are one of, or two, sorry, of many topics that I could have talked about. But I chose these two because they're things that I feel that I can relate to and things that I can actually talk about as well. And so why I wanted to talk about this specifically is because, number one, I did want this podcast to focus on specifically the issues of younger Muslims as well. And I wanted to at least bring forth some issues or problems that some younger Muslims can go through that maybe people don't necessarily hear about. And I hope to at least be able to cover some of those issues in the future as well. But the second reason is that I personally just went through five years of schooling in both an undergraduate and a master's degree. So I do feel that I'm quite up to date on many of the issues. And of course, again, I have some personal relation to some of these issues. And growing up in myself and an immigrant household and amongst many immigrants themselves, I really feel like there's many things that immigrants themselves definitely do a lot of great things when it comes to pushing their kids to do great in education and pushing their kids to accomplish many accomplishments or many great things, I should say. However, there are still things where I think that sometimes immigrants and maybe, you know, people of Asia, Middle East, or just, you know, the global South kind of background, at times maybe parents don't do enough to really help their kids. And I'll get into this in a few seconds, but I just want to say that I'm not trying to say that any parent is bad or anything. I'm just saying that sometimes there can be a bit of a disconnect between 
the parent and the kid and vice versa. And these are sort of important things that I think that sometimes we should think about when we're when we're you know thinking about kids who are going to school. Uh, it's not always just you go to school, you learn, and then you succeed. It's unfortunately never quite that simple. And I can only speak from my own experiences, of course, and some from others. But for the most part, I describe school life in Canada as not the best. I think that's kind of maybe putting it mildly, but I think a lot of people would agree with me that school life is just, it's just not the best. It's its not easy. And honestly, I don't know anyone who truly enjoyed it, uh, at least the life part. I, I mean, you know, people enjoyed maybe meeting new people or learning new things, but the actual school life in terms of, you know, waking up in the morning, going to class at, you know, 10 a.m. or 9 a.m., whatever, whatever time some of you went to class. I know some people prefer afternoon classes, whatever time, you know, you go to class, you have to wake up, get ready every single day for, you know, five, six years or however long, you know, people end up going to school. It's not easy. It's very uh, it can be very stressful, very repetitive. It can feel sort of like you're, this is just you know your life, and you're kind of sacrificing all these years to to get a good education. And you know, I know a lot of people who are able to handle the school life, but you know, in my opinion, uh, it, it's so like it, it's just not the best life. And I can say that as someone who's graduated, it, it feels so weird to not have to think about you know, oh, I have a homework to get done. I don't. I have no homework. I graduated. It's so weird to have a feeling of saying that, you know, I don't need to do a reading, you know, for those of you who need to do readings or who need to read, you know, lab assignments or anything like that. I don't need to do that. And it's amazing, really, to think about how much free time you get as soon as you graduate because you don't have to do all these things related to school anymore. And, you know, for me, again, like this is why I'd say that school life really isn't the best. It's nice in terms of, you know, maybe extracurriculars that you can do, which, by the way, I would highly recommend. You know, one of the ways that I survived university was that I got involved in extracurriculars and I actually started to make friends through extracurriculars as well. It's very helpful if you make friends through extracurriculars or, or whatnot, or really whatever you're comfortable with, right? Uh, the point is, is that, you know, you shouldn't just use school as just a, a time to just go learn and whatnot. You know, there's a lot of other opportunities as well, because, you know, these other opportunities of, you know, taking time to sort of relax, in my opinion, at least, it can really help in dealing with some of the other parts of school that can be very stressful and whatnot. And speaking of the stress, this really leads to the first part of what I wanted to talk about for this episode, and that's mainly mental health. And mental health, of course, has been a very important, I think, topic of conversation across, I'd like to say, the world. I think a lot more people have been much more aware of mental health issues. And within Canada as well, mental health has definitely become something that a lot more people are willing to talk about. There was a time, I think, with mental health that some people just didn't really want to talk about it. And I think that, you know, the country has made a lot of progress when it comes to actually discussing mental health openly and with uh, each other. Now, that doesn't mean that everything is perfect or by any means there's still a lot of progress to be made, but I do think that for the most part, mental health has definitely become something that a lot of people have started to at least uh, open up about. 
And so to discuss this, I wanted to first go over some statistics that I was able to gather about mental health issues related to Canadian students and the youth within Canada. Now, of course, not every university student is a person who's in their 20s. Actually, if you do go to university, I'm sure some of you may be surprised to know that there's actually quite a bit of people who are in their 30s or even in their 40s that are going to university because they're trying to either go into a new field or they're changing their, uh, you know, their specialization. And so, of course, uh, you know, the numbers that I'm going to go through right now don't necessarily deal with all university students. But again, my focus will primarily be on the youth. So I, I do think that these statistics are quite applicable. For the most part, most statistics summarize three main points, and that's that there has been an increasing amount of depression, anxiety, and suicide among young people over the past decade. And of course, uh, like I mentioned before, there is a trigger warning where I will be talking about anxiety, suicide, and depression. So if those are, again, things that maybe you're a bit sensitive to, uh, again, tread with caution. I will be talking about them uh, in, the, uh, in the next few minutes of this episode. Um, and so statistics show that from 2007 to 2017, emergency visits related to mental health concerns for Canadians aged 5 to 24 increased by 75%. While the Centre for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH, I'm sure some of you have heard of them before, recorded that 70% of mental health issues have their onset during childhood or adolescence, and that young people aged 15 to 24 are more likely to suffer from mental illness or substance abuse disorders than any other group. While a survey of Ontario high school students found that 34% of them indicated moderate to psychological distress. Now, that's interesting because that's not university students. Those are Ontario high school students. So, even before some of these students end up in university, they're already starting to feel moderate to psychological distress. And the pandemic, of course, has worsened the issues for many students as well, because many of them, especially those who've been restricted to simply online classes, have been isolated and really unable to interact with others. Although I will say that I'm not necessarily saying that the pandemic has caused uh, increase of distress to mental health. I'm just saying that the pandemic has sort of been an extra layer uh, in sort of the struggle that some people who are dealing with mental health can go through. Furthermore, in 2019, the National College Health Assessment, which surveys students at Canadian post-secondary institutions, found that almost 70% said they had felt overwhelming anxiety in the previous 12 months. And the, the same study actually found that over 16% of students had seriously considered suicide, an increase from 10% in 2013. What we're seeing here basically is that in 2013, only 10% of students that were at least surveyed considered suicide, but that's increased to 16% just six years later in 2019. And so what these statistics mainly have shown is that there has been an upward trend. And, and unfortunately, there have been many reported cases as well, as suicide rates within Canadian u universities have also been concerning. In fact, there have been reported suicides on campuses across Canada. In the University of Ottawa, there were six that were reported leading up to April 2020, and another suspected five that were at the University of Alberta two, during two years before that. So, in 2018-2019, there was a, supposed to be about five that were suspected, 
while in University of Ottawa leading up to April 2020, there was at least six. While at the University of Toronto, uh, one building alone, the Bayhan Centre for Information Technology, has had three students attempt or have committed suicide within the building itself. And so there's a lot more statistics that go into detail when it comes to the reported suicides or the amount of suicides that have occurred. But what I hope at least that we can derive from this is that there has been an increased amount of suicides across Canada. It's not just, you know, at one campus or in one area. It really is across Canada. And that's why this is so concerning. And due to the increased amount of suicide rates within Canada and within many Canadian universities, many universities have taken steps. I know at the universities that I went to, uh, there were many discussions about mental health and sort of what to do if you were feeling stressed or, you know, you were feeling anxiety towards your exams and whatnot. Uh, And they would often tell us about the health centers or the sort of clinics or people that you could talk to when it came to mental health issues. And, you know, it it really is something that I think many universities are starting to improve on. You can definitely see across Canada, many universities are attempting to invest more into mental health services so that they can help many people from, you know, many of their students as well. And, there has been progress. Like I think it'd be wrong to say that you know there has been no progress, uh, but that doesn't mean that it's perfect. And rather, although there has been progress, I just want to point out that there's also been many things that have been holding back the actual ability to help those who need it, especially young students who need help when it comes to dealing with their own mental health issues. And I found this article by a independent Canadian news agency called the Walrus. Yes, that, that's their actual name. They are called the Walrus. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's just, I guess, what they call themselves. But they wrote an excellent article that goes really into depth about the problems that many students face in terms of mental health at Canadian universities and sort of the varieties of different struggles that some of them go through. And they give some really great stories about students who've shared their experiences and sort of the problems that they deal with. I I will include the link in the bio and the description of this episode, so please do go read it. It's an excellent article. Uh, But they go into detail about sort of the problems that are really, you know, at the heart of the restrictions when it comes to the mental health support that many schools offer. And I'm just going to quote what they wrote here. And so they said that, like the Canadian system at large, Campuses provided too little by way of sustained patient-focused support. At many schools, sessions with mental health counselors go either to students in acute distress, meaning those who are in, in immediate need, or to those who've waited their turn in the queue. And so this would probably mean that you have to sign up online and then they sort of make you wait in line for your opportunity to, stop, uh, to talk to uh, a counselor. And in extreme cases, students at times have had to wait up to two months for basic counseling. Outreach is also a problem. A 2020 survey of six Canadian universities showed that only 56% of students were even aware of the mental health services their campuses offered. And so this article really shows us two main problems. And the first is that the mental health 
counselors really only focus on those who are most at need. And so usually it'll obviously focus on those who are basically at the edge of, you know, suicide or depression, however, you know, they may kind of target that. And that's problematic because that means that they ignore students who are, you know, starting to feel those kind of symptoms or those uh, those sort of feelings, at least. And that in itself is uh, kind of, uh, I guess you want to say, maybe not the best way because the students who get ignored, or at least the students who have to wait and then have to constantly deal with their mental health issues. So let's say, you know, you're feeling you have like depressing thoughts or whatnot, or you're dealing with depression. Uh, by the time the counselor kind of talks to you, you might be at the stage where you're, you know, you're in acute distress, you're, you're in immediate concern. But an argument might be made that if you just talk or you're able to discuss or, you know, if you're able to help that student who needs, you know, support at the very first stage of them feeling depression, you could prevent them from getting all the way to that quote unquote final stage where they're in immediate need of help, right? Now, I mean, obviously I'm not a mental health expert, so I'm not so sure if that's 100% right. And if it's not, I apologize. But again, right, like that that seems like a pretty big problem with the way that the universities are, are tackling it. If you only have, you know, maybe one or two counselors to deal with like thousands of students, is that really effective? Making students have to wait in queue, making them have to wait in line to get mental health support, like that's not exactly support. <laughs> it's not much, if anything at all, really. I mean, if anything, you're kind of sending the wrong message. You cut, you're a student, let's say, right? Put yourself in the, in the shoes of a student. You're a student, you're going through depression, you're, you're, you're feeling very anxious, you're, you're feeling like, you know, you could fail at any moment in everything that you're doing, and you need support. You go to them, you ask them, hey, can you, you know, help me? Can I get someone to discuss this to, you know, to make, you know, me deal with what I'm feeling with to help me through this? And they say, yeah, sure, we'll help you. Just wait three months. That immediately would make me think they don't think this is serious. You know, I'm, I'm feeling very, you know, depressed or I'm feeling very anxious and that, that's very serious. You know, it's, it's a very serious place to be in. And you go to the people who are supposed to help you and they tell you, ah, just come back in three months. Not exactly the best sort of solution. So that's definitely, definitely a main thing that many schools need to be better at. You can't tell students who are in immediate need of support, come back in three months. That's just not effective. And, you know, people saying that, oh, you could go to a private clinic or whatnot. Not really. Like when you're at a university, especially if you live on residency, it's not easy to go off campus somewhere. You have to, you know, either have a car or there has to be a bus lane. You also have to have the time to actually go. It's not easy. Like I'm telling you right now, I remember even during my master's degree, you would have your, your class and then as soon as your class was done, you were working on something else. You were doing something else, an essay, uh, an assignment, either something, you know, uh, a research report, whatever it was, you had to start working on something else. So you don't have the time to just dedicate a whole day or, you know, a whole afternoon to go to a doctor off campus who might be, you know, a, uh, you know, on the opposite side of maybe the city or whatever, or wherever they might be. You don't have the time to go to them at a time when they're also available and then get them to help you. It's not that simple. It's really not. That's why 
the mental health institutions or the people who can help students, those people need to be available for those students because a lot of students, and I can vouch this, I can vouch for this, I'm sure, I'm sure that a lot of other students can vouch for this as well. You just don't have the time to go off campus. That's why they need to be there for you. And it's it's quite upsetting, I'll say this, to see that that's not really true. And, you know, I, I can say, uh, you know, Alhamdulillah, and, you know, I consider myself a, a lucky one that I didn't really feel mental health issues throughout university. But I have friends who have dealt with it. I have friends who have, you know, had their own problems, etc., etc. I'm not going to get into too much detail. But, you know, I, I can say that them not getting the support, you can see the impact it can have on someone. And, I can I can only stress just how important it is, and it was for them as well, to have a good support group around them that was able to support them through what they were going through. It's just so seriously important that it's available and that students aren't neglected or ignored, but they're appropriately listened to and not dealt with, but supported and helped throughout their problems. And I mentioned this before as well, I'm not an expert on mental health, but I will say that if you're someone who isn't necessarily even a student, but if you are a person who's going through mental health issues in Canada, there are multiple, you know, areas or or sort of, I don't know, agencies or just people you can go to, you know, a lot of uh, independent organizations like CAMH, for example, or the, uh, the Canadian Mental Health Association, um, or even, uh, I actually know that there is a Muslim mental health hotline called uh, Nasiha. Uh, you can find them either on Instagram or you can just sort of search them up. Uh, they are a toll-free line that is for Muslims who are dealing with mental health. And, and I'm sure they, they take anyone who's dealing with a mental health issue, not just Muslims, but they're specifically targeted for Muslims. So if you are someone who is dealing with mental health issues, I can only stress uh, if you are in Canada or uh, you know wherever across the globe, please do try and get the help that you need. And mental health is important. It's not something to uh, you know to ignore, and it's not something to either diminish someone either with. You know, just because you're dealing with a mental health issue, it does not mean that you're weak in any way. You know, I hope I'm not giving bad advice here. But I really do mean it that just because you're going through possible anxiety or or depression or just sort of, you know, negative thoughts, don't think of yourself any less than anyone else. You know, the help is there for you. Um, And I I think that, you know, at least starting a dialogue with those who you uh, are around, uh, you know, your friends or or your family, however you want to begin it, just please do get the help uh, that you rightfully deserve, right? You're a human being. And you don't deserve to be put in a situation where you are you feel diminished as a human, right? As just a Muslim myself, you know, the Muslim Ummah and the community in the Quran, in the Hadiths, we're told to help each other. We're told to support each other. And it doesn't give any sort of, you know, any sort of uh, you can't help this person, you can't support this person. It just says to help the community. Right. So if you're Muslim or even a non-Muslim, right, we're a community and we should be there to support each other. So do not think for a second that you don't deserve support. You do. There are resources out there. 
please go reach out to them. Try and get the support that you need and deserve. Now, I hope that that wasn't too repetitive, but again, it is very important. But it does lead to the next point that I wanted to make, and that really was, what does this mean for us? And sort of just the student life that this really uh, encompasses and the real pressures uh, of being a student that exist uh, within a, a 21st century education. And, you know, I, I mentioned this before that I know many Muslim communities are immigrants or from immigrant communities. So I really do understand the pressure on a personal level. And it's not that, you know, my parents or that I ever felt pressure myself, but I saw it within others as well. Like I saw it a lot where, you know, parents definitely, I don't know if I'd say they pressured their kids, but you could kind of tell that there was a lot of expectations for certain kids that they had to become, you know, X, Y, and Z because the parents just expected them to. And again, there's nothing wrong with high expectations or lofty expectations. You should always try to do your best. But I think that there's a part of where these expectations play a part in the mental health struggles for some students. And really, you know, students, unfortunately, have been sort of uh, the ones who've suffered a lot because of maybe a lack of positive attitudes towards mental health. And, you know, the article that I mentioned before about from the walrus uh, that went through the mental health issues for students, they really summarized it in one paragraph that, that I'm just going to quote right now because it really does summarize the main problems that many students face while going to school and being under pressure in school. And so the article says, and I quote, imagine being told all your life that you are ahead of the pack and that you must stay there both to secure a stable future and to get a return on the investments that family members or granting agencies, so those are loan agencies or those uh, government agencies from which you took a loan from, have made on your behalf. Then imagine falling behind for reasons you don't understand at the precise moment when staying on top feels more critical than ever before. Furthermore, imagine that you are contending with profound loneliness, past trauma, and financial insecurity, all while working a part-time job with the usual mix of erratic hours. Students often feel, and this is later on in the article, that they have no future or career opportunities even after going to school, and the competitive job market does not make things easier. This to me really does summarize many of the key problems that students face within school and in the broader sense being a student in the 21st century, especially at Canadian universities. I myself worked a part-time job and I remember I remember that I would have school basically Monday to Thursday or what I what I usually did was I organized my classes and I'd actually recommend a lot of you to do this if you can. I would organize your classes where you had as many classes on one, two, or three days. That way you'd get at least two days off in the five days that you could have school on. Well, I would do that, and so I'd usually have like two or three days off, but I would work Fridays and the weekend. So from Monday to basically Thursday, I would be doing school. Then on Friday night, usually that's when I worked, Friday night, I would be at work, and then over the weekend, I'd usually work one of Saturday or Sunday. 
So my weekend was basically either dedicated to me doing work or me, me doing schoolwork. So either way, I was doing work. I very rarely had time to maybe go out and really, you know, I guess, enjoy myself. Like th- there really wasn't that time because I'd either be doing work work or I'd be doing schoolwork. There was no in-between. I always usually had something to be doing. And from Monday to Thursday, usually I'd be doing some sort of work. And, you know, every now and then, yes, I'd go hang out with my friends and whatnot, of course. Uh, Again, like I suggest that it's very important to have sort of extracurriculars or things that you can do to sort of blow off steam. But again, for the most part, I would be juggling school and then, you know, my part-time job as well. And that plays such a big part because... At the same time that you're trying to study, you also have to make sure that, you know, you don't go bankrupt and that you have the money to be able to pay off the student loans that you're going to have to take, which, by the way, are usually thousands of dollars because that's how expensive tuition is. And so you can kind of see how one after another, you know, on top of not just having school, you know, constantly and all these other stuff that you're now committed to, you have to deal with all these problems all at once as a student. It's very stressful for some. And, you know, again, alhamdulillah, like I'm very grateful for the fact that I didn't necessarily go through this. Like I definitely had my moments where I was juggling multiple things at once. I would never deny that. I've done that multiple times. Uh, And unfortunately, that's just a reality of the university or college life. That's just the way that things are. And it definitely is something, in my opinion, that leads to the, the struggles that so many students have. And then on the other hand, as the article mentioned that I you know quoted here, a lot of kids go into university usually as the top of their class. But then when you go to university, you actually realize, oh my God, there's so many more people who are smarter than me. I know tons of kids from my high school that would get like 90 averages easily in our high school classes, easily. You know those kids... They just get like an A plus with their eyes closed and then they look at you and say, oh, the test wasn't that hard. Yeah, those kids, you know, they would get A pluses easily. And yet, you know, when they go to university, all of a sudden, it's not that simple. It's not that easy. You're not just going to easily get an A plus. There's people who are smarter than you. The professors are maybe harsher markers. There's more requirements from you. It's a big transition and definitely something that I don't think every kid is prepared for, but it's definitely one that kids suffer from. And it must be very hard psychologically, really psychologically. Think about this your whole life. You're number one and then you go to university and you're not. That must hurt. It really must, especially if you already have, like the article mentioned, financial and family pressure to do good. You know, if you're the eldest son or the eldest daughter, you must succeed. You know, immigrant communities especially, we know that that's definitely something that is a pressure for many kids. That as the eldest or the one that's maybe in university, you have a lot of pressure on you to do good for not only you, but also for your family. And to really relate to to this topic and sort of maybe go into more depth on it, I wanted to share kind of three perspectives that I've had or or three things that I've observed through my five years at university and also just dealing with other students themselves and also just sort of seeing uh, the way that the student life has impacted 
some uh, people around me. And, you know, I think the first thing that I, I noticed, and this is really sort of a problem in high school as well, where there's this sort of false lie. It's not even a false lie. It is a lie that you're going to go to university, you're going to get a degree, you're going to get a job, and then you're going to be happy for the rest of your life. I'm sorry to tell you, but that's just not true. Uh, It's weird almost. Like as a student, especially as a high school student, you can be sort of narrow-minded and you think that like the first try at a degree or, or whatever, you know, first thing you decide that you want to be will be the career for the rest of your life. And, and I know a lot of immigrants that think this way too, and a lot of people who aren't immigrants as well think this way, but a lot of people feel that, you know, oh, you know, I'm just going to do this one thing, and then I'm going to go through four years, and then that's it. But that really isn't true, mainly because uh, it's really impossible to know what you will actually end up in and what you will actually enjoy. I know a lot of people that chose one thing and then ended up in another. Like there's a lot of choices for jobs. There's a lot of opportunities that are available. And I guarantee you that when you go to university or if you're already in university, you're going to start to notice that, oh, you know, there's a lot of different fields that I can enter into. It's never as black and white as I think some people try to make it look like, especially in high school. I know a lot of people personally who have changed multiple times. And I'm not saying that that's always the best for some people, but the reality is is that if you're in a degree that you don't like, it's probably better to change to a degree that you do like or a degree that you feel more comfortable in or one that you can actually succeed in. A lot of people decide that, oh, because I'm in this one degree, I got to finish the degree. But that's not necessarily true because if you're really not liking it and you're not good at it, then you're kind of just wasting your money. Maybe it's better to think about are there other fields that I can get into? Maybe I don't like accounting. Maybe I'm more of a person who should do marketing, you know, something like that. I'm not saying, of course, that there's a solution as easy as that, but really it's important to make sure that you're not just forcing yourself you know, through a lost fallacy cause of, you know, I've already spent this much money, so I should just keep going. But you should really try to find, you know, what you really like and what you feel that you're good at. Uh, Because again, like there's no such thing as I'll get this one degree, I'll end with this job, and then I'll live happily ever after. That's sort of a lie. It's not really what I've experienced. I've felt that a lot of people actually go through many different changes throughout what they want to focus on. And even me, although I I did the same degree from start to finish, the things or the angles of what I wanted to focus on or what I wanted to specialize in changed drastically throughout my years in university. And I think that this point here is very important to mental health because you have to admit that there's a likelihood, and again, I'm not a mental health expert, but I'd assume at least there is some likelihood the mental health issues are, uh, you know, are furthered or worsened by the fact that someone might be in a degree that they don't like. Like imagine waking up every single day to study things that you don't like. Imagine waking up every day to memorize and take tests, exams, and you know, read articles and books about things you don't like. Does that sound fun? No, it doesn't sound fun at all. It sounds terrible. That sounds that sounds like a prison basically. You're you're stuck. You're just doing this one thing that you hate, but you have to do it because you're it's in your degree. And, you know, it's a possibility. I'd say that you know if you do have an opportunity to maybe change, yeah, maybe you should. Right? I'm not again. I'm not saying it's an easy solution, but it's always there for consideration. 
And the second one, and this is one that I think definitely would get me in trouble with a lot of immigrant families and immigrant parents, but I'll say this right now, and, and this is a fact, by the way, but not every kid needs to be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. There, I said it. It's the truth. And, and I'm not trying to discourage anyone here, but I feel that in immigrant communities, this group of jobs, like just these three jobs, either this or like a businessman of some sort, but it's always these three jobs. And, you know, people focus so much on these certain jobs. But in my experience, a lot of actual jobs or fields are actually ignored. And a lot of them are great fields as well. And they're just completely ignored because all people ever want their kids to be is a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. And that's it. And also, statistically speaking, um, not everyone can obviously be a doctor, lawyer, or engineer because there's just not enough positions. So you're almost kind of setting your kid up or you're kind of setting yourself up for failure if you only think of just these three professions. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to say don't do these three professions. They're very great professions. I remember in my university, uh, or sorry, not in my university, in my high school, I remember there's like at least, what, 10, maybe 12 people that all wanted to be doctors. I think maybe like one or two of them are in med school right now. Maybe, maybe. I know one for sure, but I don't know about any others. Like I have a friend who was going to become a doctor. Instead, he became a kinesiologist and he enjoys it. He enjoys it because he's more of an active person. So being a kinesiologist fits him and that's perfect. That's the kind of guy he is. So that's the kind of job that he does, right? And so not every kid needs to be stuck in just these professions. There's a lot of professions out there. We should really allow people to sort of explore what they want to be. And I also want to say that uh, you know, going back to mental health, I wouldn't be surprised again if some students really have additional mental health problems because of the requirements for some of these programs. Like I, I was reading this article, I think a few days ago uh, about nursing schools in Canada. And it said that in some schools, the average to get into a nursing school, not a med school, a nursing school is about 90%. You need a 90% average to get into a nursing school. You know, and that's not to diminish nurses. Nurses are an extremely important part of the healthcare system. As I think the pandemic has shown and proven to us, nurses are very, very important. But just think about that. Like, that's a 90% average. That's outrageous. And that's just to be competitive, let alone to actually get accepted. Like, you just have to have a 90 average to be competitive for the program. That's insane. That's absurd. Like that's that's basically you just have to get an A plus for every single one of your classes. That is not easy to do, you know. And, and yet, you know, there, there's students that probably you know work their ways up. They they work as hard as they can. They put their life to get into some of these programs to succeed. And can you imagine the amount of failure that some of them must feel when they're not able to succeed? Like all that effort you put, all that hard work, and then you just can't succeed at this one, you know, course that you're trying to get. Like it must be such a detrimental and such a psychological impact on any student. And, and, I, and I feel for any student that has to go through that. And that's really why I think that it's such a negative impact on so many students. I know a lot of talented people, a lot of people who are, are very good at, at what they do. But because of the fact that they can't succeed in, in a program or they can't succeed at a certain course, you know, they consider themselves to basically be failures. 
And I think that's just so sad. These are such smart people. They know all these mathematical equations, these scientific equations. They know all of this knowledge. And yet they are considered failures. Why? Because they can't succeed at this one program? Or they can't, you know, do this one course? Like, I just think that's just so wrong. You know, these, these programs that universities have built are just so extremely competitive. You know, it's almost like they set you up for failure from the very beginning. You know, like they, they just set you up for failure. And I think that's just so sad. And in the last point here, and this is one that I think uh, is more applicable to high school students. But if you are a high school student that's listening to this, or if you know someone who's a high school student, I really, really want to emphasize this. But school reputation and like the alma matter, like in terms of like the history of the school, they matter. But at the end of the day, you should find a school that fits who you are. And I know this for a fact personally because I know kids who have gone to school to schools like University of Toronto and they have flunked. They have failed. They did terrible, right? And, and again, it goes back to the feeling of are you a failure because you failed at the U of T. Then I know par- people who have gone from U of T to other schools like York or, you know, uh, I don't know, um, uh, schools like Ryerson or whatnot and they've succeeded and they've done well. And they've excelled at the programs that they're doing. Why? Because U of T is a very, very competitive school. And it needs very, very competitive grades. Right? But you go to a different school. Maybe that school has, you know, a, a reputation or a, you know, a feel to the school that more blends with who you are as a person. Now, a lot of people look at, you know, the school reputation. Um, and I think sometimes people focus too much on that and the sort of quote-unquote name brand that comes with some of these schools. I think some parents just look at the school reputation and they just send them there. Well, I really don't think that that's, that's, you know, I really don't think that that's the way that we should look at it. You should go to the school that fits who you are. You know, like the school that I went to was a very, you know, busy and open school. And it felt good for me because it was a comfortable distance away from my home. And it was very, you know, it, it was a it was a good place that I just felt I connected with, you know. And and the second university that I went to when I did my masters, you know, it was also great because I was in an area with like minded individuals. I was in a program where we were basically able to build off of each other. We all understood stuff like international affairs, global issues, uh, you know, global security, uh, environmental problems, these kind of things. And it was great because the people that I was around were the people that fit with me. And I cannot stress how important it is to be in a program or be at a school that you can really vibe with. You know, you should be able to vibe with the people that are around you. And I cannot stress enough, go and find out what university you sort of vibe with. Because if there's one thing I've learned from five years of school, is that school can teach you a lot, sure, like there's no doubting that. But in many ways, it doesn't actually teach you the skills needed for work. It really just gives you some background into the knowledge needed for your career. But also at the same time, it allows you to put the name brand of the school next to your name, right? Like I know I had a friend who went who did ComSci um, and he told me that by the time he graduated, some of the code that he had learned was just useless. Like it was outdated because there's new tech that's released every year. And by the time that you know, the tech that, or by the time that the, 
you know, he had graduated, the, the codes that he knew were somewhat useless. And so, you know, he, he just was like, well, what was the point of spending all that time learning it and, you know, stressing over it when, when now that I'm applying to school or now that I'm applying to uh, jobs, they're kind of useless. That's, that's just the way it is, right? So that's why, again, you know, don't think that I'm going to go to school and school is going to teach me everything that I need to know. It's not. Some ways that the people that I know have gotten jobs or even, you know, opportunities has been because they connected with others, because they made friends who maybe got an opportunity in X position. And when that friend needed someone, they got you and you were also then part of X position, right? So make sure that it's not just about, you know, uh, the, the school reputation, but it's also about the vibe that you are at that school. I can't stress just how important it is. And again, it must be so important for at least the mental health aspect as well, that it's not just school reputation, but also the feel that that campus has for the person themselves. And really, with these three points that I just discussed, and my discussion on mental health, I really hope that conceptually and in a broad sense, that the main point, the main point of just this episode and of everything that I've covered is that we really need to be more aware of the problems and issues that students face, either high school students that are going to university uh, or university students or those who are graduating university. And you know what, even high school students that are in high school, just the problems and issues that students go through and their own struggles mentally and, you know, even just their own struggles when it comes to the education system, we need to be more aware of it and we need to support them more. And I really hope that that message was at least derived and I hope that this episode was informative. Now, with that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode on the mental health struggles of students. Uh, If you guys did enjoy today's episode, please remember to leave a five-star review uh, on this episode. It should just be at the bottom of whatever podcast host you're listening to this from, either on the episode page itself or on the main page for the podcast where it lists all of my episodes. But I would really appreciate it if you guys could leave a five-star review. Good reviews will allow me to continue making this uh, podcast. As well as if you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to share it with others as well. I'm sure if you enjoyed it, your other friends or family will as well. As well as if you guys could go and follow me on Instagram, it's Muslims in Your Backyard. I post a variety of different things on my Instagram account, including episode updates. Uh, but with that being said, again, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And inshallah and lafis, we'll meet again.